Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus chapter 13 today. And I have a feeling that we're going to do a little bit of backtracking, too. My goodness, we had Exodus 12 yesterday, and just uh, there is so much stuff crammed in there. We're talking about Passover talking about the Exodus, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and today we're talking about the consecration of the firstborn. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to unpack, and then already you get the, the pillars of cloud and fire. Um, so we've already actually got questions coming in before we even started today. So I have a feeling that uh, we're going to just, you know, a lot of connecting the pieces. But I mean, it's fine and it's good because like we've been saying, this is just, I mean, it's the, this is the key moment really of the Pentateuch, of the first five books of the Bible. It's this. Um, I mean, this is the thing that, like we were saying last time, it ends up getting echoed and expanded as our Christian celebration of Easter I mean, I mean, this is this is the heart of the thing right here, already prefigured in the Old Testament. Good stuff that we're looking at. Uh, really, really fun uh, story, just good on all counts. And joining us today, we've got Pastor Dave Andrus, pastor at Abiding Savior in St. Louis, Missouri, also heading up Not Alone Ministries. Good morning, brother. It's been a little while. Glad to have you on, and I hope that, that you and the, all the brothers and sisters uh, out there with you are doing well. Good morning, and I'm doing well, and uh, we're managing. We're managing. Everybody is struggling with the sheltered in place, and now they're slowly opening up and what to do, how to do it, but God is good. God is good. Amen, amen. And, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, in some, I actually, it was interesting. The other day, mm-hmm. someone was telling me how, um, you know, some of the youth were, were just having a lot of questions about the Bible, because it was like, mm-hmm. like, hey, all these crazy things are happening, and you know, is right. that like the Bible, you know, like where it talks about like Revelation and like the plagues and stuff. And so it's, it's really been interesting how timely it's been to to go over these things. And I, I mean, I, I think what it shows you really is that the things that we're going through these days are, I mean, not, not to take this the wrong way, because I mean, these things are, are bad and they're serious, but they, I guess, I guess the way to put it is like, they aren't abnormal. They aren't, uh, they aren't shocking in the way of what this 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 is never supposed to happen. Like, well, on, on one level, yeah, the, these these bad things, none of them are supposed to happen. But uh, in the fallen world, this is this is what it's like, um, and and this is what it was like then when the people of Israel were oppressed by Egypt. Absolutely, um, and, and God permits all of this to make sure that we in our with our deaf ears will hear wake up hear that i am god and you need me and you are sinners and you need help turn to me i'm the heavenly father and sometimes it takes these um circumstantial experiences in our world to jolt us to that reality that we aren't our own little gods but that he is god and that he loves us and he doesn't want to punish us. That's why he sent Jesus, to punish Jesus. But we do need to turn to him to receive that gift of grace. Yeah, cer- certainly. It's, um, it's, all, it's all like we were saying, just po- pointing the way, foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good connections to make. And so without any further ado, let's start making them. Um, as we mm-hmm. start, would you open us up, brother, with a prayer? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've not given up on our world, but that you love the world and did so so much that you sent your son and that you sacrificed your one and only son to redeem us. Lord, help us connect with this story, even as did the Israelites with the, with the Passover and with the celebrations. And may we see your hand in our lives leading and guiding us, even as the children saw through the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire your visual presence. May we see it through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and, and read the chapter um, straight through before coming and looking at oh. things in detail. Um, and we'll want to come back and, and talk about the consecration of the firstborn. I think that's especially mm-hmm. a thing that we didn't have a chance last time to really talk about much at all. But um, so, I mean, of course, we have the, uh, the actual Passover event itself and the striking down of the firstborn. That's, that's still very much uh, ringing in our ears here. But I mean, what else should we be keeping in mind or uh, keeping an ear open for as we read Exodus chapter 13? Remember that these Israelites were slaves, that they were in bondage for years and years and years, and how they must have celebrated, wow, God, you give it to them. Yeah, you strike down them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're number one. And, and, and we can see all of that excitement of how he is freeing them. But it's not a freedom that we can just have license to do whatever we want. But instead, as the gospel reading is going to, no, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, 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 the epistle reading for this Sunday in Romans talks about how uh, we've been set free in baptism um, from our slavery of sin so that we may serve the Lord. And, and we're going to see throughout this chapter that God immediately says, yeah, I set you free so you can be my people and worship me. And here's how it happens, and here's how you share it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and that, that last part there, um, connecting us to that big theme, right, uh, that, you may, that you may tell, that you may know, that all yeah. may know, right? Like, that, yeah. that's again and again and again, right? And, and you see that in a really cool way, actually, here in Chapter 13, particularly. Uh, but really but enough— Enough talking about it. Let's just uh, read the actual thing here. So here's Exodus chapter 13 here in the English Standard Version. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. 
You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem. And when, it, when in time to come your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. From when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the sea, toward the Red Sea. And when the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle, Moses took the bones of, Mo of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So it's uh, it's interesting. It's a it's a lot of things going on, and you know we we have it again where it seems like it's a chapter where there's a lot of instructions, and then there's also movement, and and so to us it's just sort of like, well, why is this like all in the, on, on the same chapter? But, but you know, it's just kind of like you know, can't we just kind of like all the instructions, and then all the you know, that's that'd be more logical. But uh, I think what it what it highlights for me, and something I didn't really appreciate for a while, is that. All of this stuff is happening on the move. There is no, okay, now hang on. Let, let's, we're, we're not going to do our travel quite yet. Let's take care of this stuff, and then, then we'll go. No, and neither is it like, okay, we're going to go, and, and then we'll figure out all that ceremonial stuff, right? Let's be practical. No, it, it's just, it just constantly happens. It's just enmeshed in the, the realities. And even though it's, it's crazy, right? And it's like, hey, we're just, you know, packing up all of our belongings and worldly possessions and leaving and going to this unknown place, right? We're still going to worship God along the way. We're still going to be teaching our children. And I mean, and what a beautiful thing in this chapter, catechizing our children. So, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how, you know, they go from place to place to place, but the worship of God goes with them every step of the way. I'll be honest, I didn't see that, but I like that. And what jumps in my mind is is then the Great Commission while going. Yeah, and sure. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's right. That's what Jesus says, while we're going. And and so we as people are always on the move. And, and if you think about it, in fact, in getting ready for this Sunday's sermon, I, I, I am uh, doing the sermon at Abiding Savior. And I, I start the sermon by talking about as a father— seeing my kids first in the cradle and then playing with blocks and, and then coming home from school. And, and I kind of journeyed through their life and, and to where I am now. 
And so life is a journey itself. So I, I like that. I really like that. I didn't see that, but that is good. Well, it's like I said, it's something that like I really had neglected and it's something that, you know, is maybe a little bit obscured um, or at least it's it's not really highlighted in, in the translation. But, you know, when and we've seen this kind of uh, thing happen before, uh, but when, when you have this, this um, it, there it is, I think it's for 17, right? Um, you know, like when, when Pharaoh let the people go, right? It, it sounds like maybe verse mm-hmm. 17 and onward is kind of like one big parentheses comment you know like yeah, it's just yeah. kind of by the way this is what had happened right yeah, um yeah. but 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 what what seems to be going on in the hebrew text is uh you know they they celebrate the passover right like wearing their belts like um uh, you know mm-hmm. like st- staves in hand right <laughs> like ready to go um because mm-hmm. they have very little time um to get out of the country mm-hmm. um and, and so it's like they're just they're ready to go they celebrate the passover they get out of town um, and they make it to Sukkoth, right? And that's that's what it says there, like in verse, where was it? Like to, around about 20 or so-ish um, is where it mentions that they move on from Sukkoth. Mm-hmm. So, so they right. make it to Sukkoth. Um, and then it seems there they have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, and then from there, they're going to, I mean, go, go the distance here. And, and the goal is that then when they get to Canaan, they'll be doing the consecration of the firstborn. Uh, and, and so like th- this idea that it's like, hey, I've got something for you guys to be doing every step of the way. Um, I mean, it's it's there, but but yeah, I know it, it's just so easy to overlook because uh, I think we 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 have so tied together the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover like it's the same thing. We just kind of would just sort of naturally assume that it all happened at once, but they didn't they didn't have after, <laughs> you know, after, uh, you know, God struck down the Egyptians. They didn't have a seven-day festival of unleavened bread. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like that night they had the Passover meal and then they got out of there. So, it, I mean, clearly it didn't happen all at the same time. It was in it was in phases. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I but, do like that. While going, while going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, or, or, or go this far and do this, and then go that far and then do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something for every step along the way. So, uh, okay, so let's go ahead then and come back around here and talk about the beginning part of the chapter. So in, in chapter one, we have God speaking to Moses again. Um, and it is kind of interesting how, how, how it does just come up, because it does come up as just... Uh, and then, and then it's the next thing that he says, um, and, and so this immediately follows. Then, uh, I mean, it, what, what it follows is the the practice of uh, Passover, um, and, mm-hmm. and you get more instructions on how they're going to do the the feast of unleavened bread, right? which makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know that they're being instructed kind of on the way, like, hey, when we get there, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what you're going to do. Um, you know, so we're like, we're not, no one's like, okay, we're here now. What? <laughs> um, but so that, it, that is interesting that it's just immediately, uh, following on, on the heels of this. And, uh, maybe this is a, a good time just to go ahead and, um, take the question that we got before we actually even began today. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause speaking of uh, on the move, <laughs> um, so this is, this is all following now the, the striking down of the firstborn and, uh, well, I mean, what we're what we're going towards, right, is is the the Red Sea crossing. So, in, in this yeah. itinerary, right, um, 
Like, what are we to be understanding about where exactly they are? And and this kind of goes back to this thing about it's called the Red Sea, but you know, it, it's it, I think it's become uh, more and more. I, I think it's become more and more widely known that people sometimes refer to this uh, increasingly as as Yam Suf or the Sea of Reeds. And so mm-hmm. people are asking this. This is a question like, hey, c- can you clarify what this is like? Is it the Red Sea or is it the Reed Sea? <laughs> does it matter? Does does that help us to determine where all this is going on? Like, like where where are they in all of this? I'll I'll take part of the answer. I think you're going to have to take part of it as well. <laughs> sure, that's fair. <laughs> a little bit more learned on that than I am. That's, that's fair. That's fair. The the final thing is it doesn't really matter. The the key is God brought them through in a mighty way. And it was through something they couldn't go through, whether it was a, a, a wall of water that's 20 feet high or a reed sea of only, you know, three feet high. Either way, it was impossible. God did a miracle. And, and we shouldn't lose sight of that fact that God in a mighty way did a miracle and get so bogged down in the details or we'll get bogged down just like the chariots of the Egyptians and we'll get drowned and we're going to miss it. So I think ultimately that's where I focus in on. But now, if you have yeah. more information specifically on the Reed and Red Sea, please, yeah. by all means. <laughs> yes, uh, nice segue. Well, okay, uh, I, I think I think I think I broadly I broadly agree that um, you don't want to you don't want to be getting bogged down in the details. Um, insofar as, and this is something that I'm guilty of all the time, that I can I, I can just go you know, just, just super focused and intense about the details, but I can do that in a way that I am kind of excusing myself from the the bigger point, um, and, and kind of almost like distracting, uh, mm-hmm. from what's, what's essential. Right. And so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've done something wrong and instead of just a- admitting I've done wrong, I'm I'm going to like say, well, you know, I mean, is it really fair that you would say this? Because doesn't that mean that, you know, and then like, and then, and then, uh, you know, it's yeah, like, okay, then I win yeah, the argument yeah, and, you know, yeah. whoever I'm talking to, you know, it's like, well, I guess he's right. But that totally distracts from the fact that like, you know, whatever, I had the details right, but like I was still in the wrong. Right. And so, you know, it's, that's something that I'm guilty of uh, too often that I need to confess. And that's something that's something that I think that we all do sometimes that, you know, yeah. we, we kind of retreat into the details when we're scared of the big point, the big picture, yeah. right? And and so th- that is that is fair. However, we we also do not want to miss the details here because if we kind of get all the details wrong, we won't see the big picture. <laughs> you know, you you got to have the you got to have the dots to connect so that the picture emerges. Mm-hmm. Right? Those little connect the dot mm-hmm. things, like you know, I always got those like when they handed them out at church, right, for the kids. You know, oh. connect the dots. Well, if you don't, if you, <laughs> Did if you, you don't. <laughs> as a pastor is that what you're telling not, me no 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 as a kid as a kid <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And, and, I, and i'm hard on my kids i won't even let them do that well i mean sometimes but but usually i'm like ellie pay attention say lord have mercy uh, but but i mean a little a little bit of that's fine a little bit of that's fine okay but just not maybe not the whole time during church but so uh but you you gotta have those dots there right or else yeah, what's the kid do. gonna do just draw whatever Right. So we, we got to have the details to kind of keep us tethered down and, and actually reading the Bible. Um, but we, like you're saying, we don't want to like get so caught up in the details that we just kind of like retreat right. from the big point. So thinking about the details as it relates to the big point, 
I think that uh, a big contrasting um, motif here is the wilderness and the land of Egypt. Uh, we, we got Moses running away from Egypt into the wilderness, right? Uh, that's where he encounters God. God says, hey, you're going to worship me on this mountain there in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes mm-hmm. back to Egypt, right? They're, they're leaving Egypt to go back to the wilderness. Um, and then in chapter 14, we're going to get this, this little uh, bit here where he, he says, hey, we're going to turn back. And we're going to go uh, encamp in front of Pi-ha-haroth, uh between Migdol and the sea, right? So there's this idea of, hey, um, we're not gonna actually going to go all this way in the wilderness because of what we just read today, right? That there's going to be this, uh, this problematic <laughs> uh, little obstacle uh, called the Philistines. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's not go there. And so, so, so they turn back, and but so the point, right? I mean, wherever exactly they are, because I'll confess, I don't, I don't know exactly where all these points are. Big, big idea though is, hey, we're we're already showing we're we're trying to go out into the wilderness to worship God. Is that not exactly what Moses was asking for? Right. He was saying yeah, right? he, he didn't right. say free the slaves like you, you bad Pharaoh. He said, no, allow the sons of Israel to go into the wilderness to worship God, like like for a time, like d- dismiss us, give us leave to do this. Right. And, and so and that's exactly what they do. Make. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what they do. If like, yeah. If he would have just went up to uh, Canaan right away, he would have been lying and said yeah. because he didn't go into the wilderness to worship, but he just wanted to get away. So good yep. point. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So, so, so there is. I mean, it, it's just actually there. There, and also this is important too, right? Because I mean, what does actually Moses say, right? Um, when when Pharaoh, this is going back into the plague narrative. When when Pharaoh's like, well, can't you just worship God here? Why is it got to be in a certain place? And he says, if we worship God here, it's an abomination to the Egyptians, which is sort of his polite way of saying you guys are an abomination to God, and um, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not going to worship God, our true God, in the midst of your you know Egyptian polytheism. I mean, this would be like trying mm-hmm. to hold our church service in the middle of you know this this Buddhist shrine or this you know um, you know this mosque or something like that. It's going to confuse people. It's it's going to be. It's, there's going to be problems. And so they, they truly do go out into the wilderness to Sukkoth to have this Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? It's this festival to the Lord, just like they've been asking for the whole time with Pharaoh. Then mm-hmm. they turn back towards Egypt. And so this then, I think, is a big point. Um, because when they are here now, um, it, kind of back in the land of Egypt, what's coming up for the Red Sea— there's going to be one final wonder or plague in the land of Egypt. And, and so often we, we count to 10 and we stop. But this last Red Sea event is actually part of the sequence. It is actually the last big one. And so it's number 12 when you go from the snake at the beginning to the Red Sea at the end. 12 being a number that actually fits a Hebrew uh, sensibility of what's important uh, a little bit more closely than 10. Um, so so the, the Big thing is, right, God's going to do one more big thing, not just in the eyes of the people, but in the eyes of Pharaoh. So wherever exactly this Sea of Reeds is, and yeah, it's true, literally, it does not say the color red, it says reeds, right? But, I mean, I don't know what that means, really, truthfully, like, in terms of where on a map. But wherever it is, it's in the eyes of Egypt. It's another thing that God does in Egypt, because the point is God is, as your point to the Great Commission, is doing this in the sight of all, not just a select few. Very good. So to the question that the reader 
asked or the listener asked, is it the Red Sea or the Reed Sea? You're you're stating that the Hebrew actually says the Reed Sea, but it's yeah. translated so often the Red Sea. But your big point is that it's still right at the edge of Egypt, not in the wilderness. And that is a good point to be made. I, I be honest, I, I overlooked that and I blurred it together because, as you say, we kind of blur these things together sure. so quickly sometimes that it's 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 hard to make the sequence. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, trying to keep the sequence in mind. I think you know, like you, you're saying, like to to make sure we're using the details to help us see the big picture. That's what mm-hmm. we want to do. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we got to mm-hmm. take a break here already. <laughs> Just time flies. Uh, but everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 13 here on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. If you're interested in building a great career, the Missouri Army National Guard is interested in you. The Guard will pay you to train for a wide range of jobs, such as engineering, combat arms, logistics, transportation, and military police. The skills you'll learn are needed in the Guard and are in high demand in the civilian job market. Plus, you may be eligible for a $20,000 bonus and student loan repayment. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard, aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. Hi, I'm Gary Duncan. As you know, we postponed our share back in April, but I'm pleased to announce that we will be celebrating the ministry of KFUO with share 2020 from Thursday, June 25th through Saturday, June 27th. During this global pandemic and social unrest, it is vital for KFUO to share the love of Christ to a world starving to hear the gospel. As a partner with KFUO, your gifts provide for us to share that word of Christ around the world. Because of social distancing, our share will be slightly different than it has been in the past. Most of your favorite host and special guests will be live from their homes and not all together in the studio. Also, along with special share programming, we will continue some of our regular programs with extra breaks to ask for your support. Join us for share 2020, Thursday through Friday, June 25th through 27th, and celebrate the ministry of KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 13, though. <laughs> we're connecting the dots on a lot of things. These chapters are just, they're just so interconnected. We were just talking about uh, the, the Red Sea versus the Reed Sea. Um, you know, and I was just, we were, we were just talking here with our guests. We've got Pastor Dave Andrus, Pastor at Abiding Savior Lutheran in St. Louis, Missouri, also heading up Not Alone Ministries. Uh, we were just talking about, you know, it can be hard to say exactly, okay, this is where, you know, the Red Sea or, or, the, or the Reed Sea is, right? Um, but wherever it is, the details in the text are saying, hey, look, uh, the point is that they, they 
followed up on what was said. They went out into the wilderness to worship God, and they held the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They went back into Egypt, and so wherever this Reed Sea is, it's in Egypt. Point being, it's in the sight of the Egyptians. It's going to be one more judgment on their gods, which I'm hoping we'll talk a lot about next time, actually, because it is amazing when you think about the Red Sea event or the Reed Sea event and what that does mean as a as an anti-Egyptian image, something that they would see and understand and say, oh man, there really is no God except the God of the Hebrews. So a lot of good things today and uh, a lot of, I mean, thank you for the question though. If you've got any more questions, please do go ahead, call in 1-800-730-2727 or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or just hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ So just put your comments or questions right there in the live stream box. I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you for underwriting thy strong word. So, uh, yeah, so we were just talking about that, you know, and so, okay, so we, we have this sense, though, wherever exactly it is, it's it's in Egypt because there's going to be this manifestation of, of glory, God showing himself. And that's and that's where we're going. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the catechesis, and, and I want to talk about that. It's, it's so that they Please. may know, yeah. so your sons may know. Um, but before we get there, we got these, these two little lines here, these two little verses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, right? There's the command, and the command's just, you know, put right there. But this isn't going to happen for, like, some time, though. So, like, what do you, what do you make of that in the sequencing here? Um, boy, you, I'll be honest, you caught me flat-footed on that question in the sense that the sequence of, I, I do see this as consecrate means set apart. God yeah. was saying right away, all right, I killed the firstborn who didn't trust in me and had the, the blood on the doorpost and lentil, but I'm not stopping there. I also am your God and want the firstborn, set them aside. And so yeah. I'm seeing this as a, God's way of saying, I'm not stopping by just delivering you or you're worshiping me, but in your worship, um, you will set aside. And of course, this will look down the road to the firstborn of God himself. Um, But that's a long way down the road. But it's starting down that process to set apart the firstborn. firstborn. That's well said. And you just made the connection there, right? I mean, so it, it literally here... Um, you know, it has this, this word, uh, for, for consecration, which, which, which means, um, you know, set, set apart. I mean, it's the word for holy right here, right? We have, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, you know, consecrate, mm-hmm. you know, you got that, that, that sacred, um, idea root there, right? Uh, which, yeah, mm-hmm. means to, to set apart as, as special, unique, as belonging to God, reserved, right? That, that sort of idea. And, and, the, and the thing is, the, the connection is made here because, um, just like we're about to see, it, it's so that when the children ask, and you're teaching them, doing this question and answer, and you use Luther's question, what does this mean? Oh, hey, look at that. It's not actually Luther's question. It was Moses' question, God's question. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. Like, hey, there's, there's, that's a good that thing. Way, but it's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> so like when you, when you do this later, because it's not going to happen until it's like time for them to go into the promised land. But mm-hmm. you're going to make the connection now. This is why you're doing it. You're setting aside your sons because, you know what? I set them aside 
when I passed over them. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that the language we actually saw back in the description mm-hmm. of the plague of the firstborn? Right. I mean, it, it's it yeah. was it was really interesting. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm trying to think like where where the where the word was. We talked about the connection of Passover um, to the I mean, that that Pesach word that refers to Pascha or Pascha. Um, and, and ultimately even Easter. But but the word is sort of like leave alone, set aside, go past, right? So so that, that idea is, is already there actually in, in the passing over. So, so you, you can see that there. He's going, um, the, the picture, it's really interesting. Back in, this is back to uh, chapter 12, verse 23. The Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the do- two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you, right? So it's like there's this idea of, it's almost like the destroyer is following God through the city, uh, throughout the city, throughout the land of Egypt. Um, and then it's like they, they go door to door. And if if God um, like kind of like pauses at the door and looks at the destroyer, destroyer goes in. Um, but if he just keeps on walking, destroyer isn't allowed to i mean he's he's setting aside like each one i mean it, it's really mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. there's, there's this image right so so there it is why do we so why and this it is like so why do we consecrate our firstborn because that's what god did and this will set up for generation after generation after generation that finally hundreds of years i can't say thousands because it was a thousand and a half i suppose after that when Jesus came, the people were celebrating the Passover. They were doing this. They were remembering. They were saying the words so that then as people look to what Jesus did, ah, and it's not that hard going back to your image with your kids in church, dot to dot. I still think you were doing that as pastor more than you want to let on to. But anyway, uh, the, the people can draw dot to dot and put it together that, this is what God's doing. And he had this already not only in mind, but was setting it up for us to understand when it would happen. And that's why we teach and teach and teach about the mighty hand of God is so that when it happens, we will understand, we will see and not be blind to the reality of God's presence. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, because it's like you were saying, it's not merely that, that that God set aside and passed over right the, the firstborn mm-hmm, of Israel, mm-hmm. but there's this sense where the the firstborn of Egypt were put forward, right? Mm. And, and so, uh, and well, I'm not really so much that that the, the firstborn of Egypt were put forward. I mean, they were kind of in place. It's somewhere the, the lambs were put forward, right? Because they isn't that interesting that they actually took you, you take this lamb. I, I remember someone telling me. Um, about the being being in Israel around Passover time and how like all like the uh, oh. the stairways in like the apartments uh, apartment buildings mm-hmm. the stairways are just like <laughs> there's blood everywhere in the stairways because wow. people are like you know sacrificing these lambs and then like bringing them uh-huh. up to you know to to do the Passover right um, but I mean so isn't that interesting right like you have this this picture like you know you have you, you sa- everyone sacrifices their lambs and you bring out mm-hmm. you bring out the lamb and and you put the blood you put it up there out in front. There, there's mm-hmm. this, there's this putting it out there, putting it forward, right? To be seen. Everybody can see it. To, to, to be seen. To be seen. Right there, there's overarching, you know, themes of Exodus, right? So, so in the same way, what's what's God going to do? Well, if He's going to set us aside as holy, right? 
I mean, that's the consecration idea. If he's going to set aside his people as holy, he's got to put forward some blood to be seen. And so that's what he is with his son. I mean, I mean, so I mean, so this is these are all the details that you were saying that help us understand exactly, right? It's, it's actually what prepares us so we can understand what happened with our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was put forward, the idea of propitiation, right? Putting, uh, putting his blood forward, um, that the destroyer would not enter the house of faith, but would pass over it because God has consecrated it. What's really cool, too, is it's not just to focus on the kids and teaching the kids all these things, yeah. but who's doing it? The father. Yeah. And as the father does this, he's telling himself, he's telling his wife, everybody is, is, is being reminded. Yeah. You probably heard the phrase, um, oh, my mom used to say it. She was a Sunday school teacher. Um, uh, uh, in no way better to learn it, but to teach it. That's mm. not quite the way it says but, but the idea is yeah. you, you, you learn even more when you prepare to teach it. So as 100%. the father would then share these things with the children, he's reminding himself and teaching himself at the same time. And so it's important that we continually hear and hear and hear the stories again and again and again. And before the time lets out, we got to say God's mighty hand brought out with a mighty hand. Uh, again, I think it was, four or five times it's been mentioned in this chapter and, yeah. and how uh, if we, if we, it's, we're so easy to forget as human beings. What have you done for me lately? I yeah. think that's one of the biggest problems as sinful human beings we have is we forget, we forget and we don't remember. And I think that's why God is t- telling us and teaching us to teach, remember, because even if he did a mighty act, a miracle every day, it would become old. That'd be like yeah. having ice cream every day. Uh, you find that it's like, eh, yeah, it's the same old thing. Yeah. And, and we wouldn't see it as special. Yeah. And so That's right. we remember these things to see that God is special so yeah. that, well, yeah, so that he is special and how he has redeemed us through the setting forth his one and only son for our yeah. salvation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's well said. You know, like it's, it's so important. Uh, the, the ritual is important. It is that way of staying connected to it and, and participating in it without, like you were saying, it just becoming ice cream every day, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and we just mm-hmm. lose all the significance of it, right? I mean, it's, um, mm-hmm. you, you know... I mean, I mean, honestly, one of the comparisons that Paul makes, right, is that the these moments, right, like the Passover or like Easter, they're they're like weddings, right? And a, and a wedding is a super special event. Why? Well, because it happens once in a lifetime. Is 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 the intention mm-hmm. of God, right? That's the design. Right, right. However, right, there are rituals you might say associated with marriage that should happen all the time. Um, you know, like, I mean, you know, frequently, and, uh, that's a way of, of staying in and living in that covenant and in, in a sense, even renewing it, right. That's, that's very good. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it would be messed up if we just had the wedding every day or every week or every month, because the wedding would, would, would <laughs> like you were saying, just start to lose all significance. So, so right. So, right. you know, this, and this is what we have going on in the Eucharist or, um, I mean, really in, in, in the celebration of Passover. The Passover happened uh, once, but it was observed every year. Um, Easter happened once, and we observe it actually every week. Um, 
when we do the, I mean, the divine service, right? And especially the celebration of the Eucharist is the idea. Um, but so, yeah, 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 that's well said. And, and then also just uh, to your point, the, the one that I had heard recently, it was uh, one of my fellow pastors who, who taught me this one. He said, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the kind of like no better way to, 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 to do than to, or to learn than to teach, right? The, the steps mm-hmm. are like mm-hmm. this between the teacher and the student. Uh, first, you know, um, I do, you watch. Uh, then I, uh, you do, and I teach, and then, uh, you teach and I watch. Hmm. Hmm. Right. So like, like this, this, this idea of, you know, you, the way to, to, to move the student along to fully learning something is to get them to the point where they're, they're teaching it. And I'll say, uh, I never knew the catechism better than when I had to teach it to eighth graders. Um, (laughs) and so if anyone from Salem Lutheran church in Afton, Missouri is listening, uh, thank you guys for helping me learn the catechism better. (laughs) Um, and and now I'm, now I'm going through the same thing, actually, um, learning it in Spanish now, um, with, with my daughters, you know, it's just like, I, wasn't honestly it wasn't i don't know if i was gonna do that or nearly do it as well if not for you know mm-hmm. teaching so um mm-hmm. but so mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit more though about uh, this teaching and the and the content of it right it's really fascinating the way that it, it's talked about here uh you know so you know re- remember this day that we're connecting all the dots you know all three of these observances passover unleavened bread and uh, consecration of firstborn they all go back to the exodus is the the big point and so you've got the the whole calendar is going to be based on this um you know we're aviv is supposed to be the first month of the year because of passover um, you know whether or not that's still observed today like and okay we'll set that aside perhaps for right now um but you right, had the description right. and i just want to talk about like you were saying this 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 teaching thing you shall tell your son on that day it's because of what the lord did for me when i came out of egypt um, and isn't that just so interesting? It's put in that first person singular term. It's like, it, it's like, dad, what are you doing? Like, hey, dad, why are you doing mm-hmm. it like that? Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. he, he's watching mm-hmm. you do it. And you're, and you're saying, son, I am doing this because God saved me, because of what mm-hmm. God did for me and what he has shown me. And when you have that language in verse nine, a memorial between your eyes, right? A sign in your hand, um, uh, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. It's this idea ritual is so important because it's the way that every part of the body is connected and involved in participating with this. It's not just an idea that you have one day or a movie that you watch, but your your hands and, and your feet and, and your eyes, they're all engaged in participating in the same way that the hands and the feet and the eyes of the people themselves were participating when they saw the Egyptians and when they walked across the sea and then they clapped their hands and the rest. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. But yeah, like what, what else do you take from this? I mean, like a lot of um, a lot a lot of this chapter is focused on this teaching aspect. So you, you've got the the teaching. Um, here in, in this point, and then a little bit later on, uh, just m- more about the, the teaching and, and the questions and answers. What, I mean, I, I mentioned the catechism, but like, so what do, you, what do you think about some of this, uh, this whole teaching and the questions and for the, the kind of one generation to the next? Well, uh, there's a couple ways to go with this. One, one angle would be that um, the process of teaching isn't done by just the priest at the temple 
uh, that it's done uh, in the homes. It's done and it's, it trickles down, it's throughout. And so worship isn't just about going to that one spot the one time, yeah. but that it can be a, a, a consistent thing that, that we do in, in worship where there is teaching um, in our daily lives. That's why we encourage people to do daily devotions so that we can hear God's word and be taught by him again. So I, I, and that's different, if I understand correctly, from the ancient uh, religions, especially those of Egypt, where it was done only at the temple by the, the specific sacrifices that were done. So God's adding an element here of worship more than just sacrifice, but that it's a, a, a teaching that it involves our mind, which then trickles down into our heart, as we in the Western world talk about our emotions and our, our attitudes. So it, it permeates all of us and not just one external thing one time a day. But, but that one time a year thing is there, but it's also more than just that. Yeah, that, that's that's really insightful. That it's not it's not denying the importance of place and the idea of us all gathering together, right, in one place as the people of God. That that's totally maintained. Uh, but you, you have this other aspect. That's I mean, it's it's so household, right? It's it's like the the, the little bit of this the prefiguring of like the house churches, which are going to be all over the early church when the church is just starting out. Um, in the wake of Pentecost. And of course, uh, that was a reality, I think, that we all were kind of reacquainted with a little bit uh, when when COVID happened, and it was sort of like, uh, yeah, we were kind of doing the house church thing a little bit here. Um, just just really important how you actually you have um, both aspects, right? And then that's actually a big part of Luther's uh, small catechism. And in fact, actually, you know, um, I was, I was actually, I just, it's really cool, actually. This isn't a commercial. I didn't get any commission for this. Um, but, right, like, so um, if you're on the Facebook stream, uh, you can actually see I've got these posters here. And these, these are really, these really cool posters that are um, put out by CPH for the catechism. And, and it's there on the actual, like, poster, the, the words of the catechism. And if you look at the, the first words on all these pages, it says that um, you know, as a father should teach his household in a simple way. So there's this idea that um, it, it wasn't like we just you know reinvented it or something um, with with COVID, but there's this idea that every house is observing worship. Um, every every house is involved in actually this, this sacrifice. Um, even um, I just wanted to, by the way, pass along a little piece of information here. You might not be able to get through on the phones. The International Center might be having an issue with the phones. Uh, so if you do have any questions or comments, want to join the conversation, just with Facebook. Uh, or email. So again, facebook.com slash H-A-Espinosa, uh, and also email KFUO at KFUO.org. So uh, we still probably have time for make maybe like a question or so, um, if you do want to chime in. But so, yeah, so it's really interesting, though, if you, if you go down, right, because, uh, you know, Pastor Andrus was mentioning the word um, sacrifice, uh, which, which, by the way, <laughs> this is a little bit why I'm not letting Pastor Andrus get a word in because we actually lost him over the phone, uh, but Lord willing, we'll get him back. Um, but so if you if you go down uh, to what it says there, it's it's a uh, it's towards the end of the speaking part, so it's around verse twenty, uh, actually a little bit before that. So it's uh, it's there in there it is here. Yep, uh, it's there in verse fifteen. 
Very interesting. This is the father speaking to his son. And, and what does he say? Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that, the, that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Um, and that's and that's pretty interesting, right? It's like, you know, you almost, uh, you know, to kind of go back to that image of uh, Passover um, in, in modern Israel, right? It's like the, the son is like watching his father slaughter this animal. <laughs> and the son's like, why, why are you doing that, Dad? <laughs> you know, and I mean, and it's like, hey, son, like it's actually for this very specific reason. Um, and uh, it, it's really interesting that then the the firstborn of all the animal sacrifices, think about that. All of those firstborn animal sacrifices that are not going to be going on just on Passover, but all the time, right? Uh, I mean, even maybe even weekly are all connected back there to this event, to Exodus, to Passover. Um, because, right, because that's what we saw. We saw it actually at the very beginning um, here in chapter 13 that it's when uh, we're talking about man and beast, right? And so in chapter 12 earlier, God struck down the firstborn of all in Egypt who did not have the blood over the door, both man and beast. We saw that in the hailstorm, that the hail came down and it struck both man and beast. And so similarly, it was back with the boils that we saw that, that the boils came down like dust after they threw it up from the kiln, right? Um, man and beast. And then also, I think it was with the gnats or the lice, as it's sometimes translated, were all over man and beast. And you had this re refrain, man and beast, man and beast. And, and so, I mean, so there it is, right? God did all this stuff to man and beast. And uh, so therefore, man and beast need to be uh, sacrificed or redeemed uh, among these, these firstborn. And of course, that uh, really, to like really fully connect the dots, goes back to Genesis. Um, you know, when what happened on the sixth day? Well, God created uh, land creatures, both man and beast. So, I mean, that, that way of just, you know, why, why you do this? Why are you sacrificing all these animals, right? Like, why, why does that, you know, and, and then sometimes I think we, we do that a little bit as Christians, that we look back and it's like, you know, it's just a very bloody affair, you know, and we have a, a hymn even that's sort of like, you know, not all the beasts, you know, on Jewish altars slain, which is probably unfortunate wording sometimes uh, that we're left with uh, might kind of miss the idea there. Um, it, it's not like it was a it was a bad thing. And in a sense, it was a very good thing because it was pointing back to God's sovereignty. And hey, yeah, he's the one who made both man and animal. Um, and, and that's why it's this lived out um, constant activity. I mean, because think about it. I mean, you know, you're not uh, even 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 in biblical times, guys, I know you think like, oh, they had gigantic families. Well, they weren't having a kid every week, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but, you know, I mean, if you if you had, you know, a number of animals, like some flocks, you were kind of actually having, um, you know, your, uh, your livestock give birth rather frequently. So, I mean, actually by having all that animal involvement stuff for this society, it was a way that they could actually be involved weekly, regularly in worship and participating in this lived out way of uh, participating in the Passover. So re really good stuff, really good stuff that we, we shouldn't minimize. All right, well, with just a few minutes left here. Um, so what do we then make of the, uh, the next part here that talks about the, the cloud of uh, the cloud and the fire? So this is really cool. And we see this in, in uh, numbers, right? And we, we see it, um, you know, just going forward here. This is how God is leading them forth. 
and and we're gonna we're gonna see this. But I, I think the big thing, right, to think about with this whole like this cloud and this fire, this is the light in the darkness, right? This is the light in the darkness, and this is this is really this is really really cool because if you understand that the Red Sea and and everything leading up to the Red Sea, like we're gonna talk about in chapter fourteen is really belonging to the plague sequence, the, the wonder sequence in Egypt, right? That these last three events, the uh, the first, the slaughter of the firstborn before that, the darkness, right? And now the Red Sea, the light and darkness thing is going on in a big way in these last three, which is really cool because what's it do? It completes a sequence. It completes a sequence. Uh, namely, what are the five things that God, in the week of creation, Genesis 1, that God names, right? There are five of them, five things that he names, and it's not coincidence at all. Uh, he names first uh, day, and then night, and then heavens, and then earth, and then seas. Five. Why those five? Well, those were, this is, and this is like, I'm just not even making this up. Those were the big five, uh, the, the, the most prominent gods in the Egyptian pantheon. Um, and for that matter, they were usually, in fact, the big five gods in most polytheistic pantheons, right? Like just uh, day and night, um, land, sky, and sea. Like you, you always have those things. And so what, what we had in the sequence of plagues really was all building up to that. And we had our, our, our water plagues uh, with, with the frogs and the fish, right? Um, you know, there at the end, we had our, our land plagues where uh, you, you had uh, the, the land being struck down, the, the vegetation devoured by locusts. Um, there in the middle, we had what you might call our, our, our sky or heavens plagues. Uh, the, the idea being that when, when you have illnesses and epidemics and boils, right, things like that, those are things that are they're called disasters, things that are in the heavens, right? Uh, we can talk more about that. But then this completes the sequence because now we got the light in the darkness. It's God, the creator. That's why it's happening. It's pointing the way to what he does. So good to be talking to you guys uh, about this awesome chapter. Moving on to Exodus chapter 13 next time. Until then, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.